Hi there, this is the Reverend Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. That verse comes from John's Gospel, chapter 14, verses 27. And it's the subject of our message for today, which is entitled, A Gift of Peace. And it begins with a story, and also a confession. I was 35 years old before I had ever been on an airplane. I realize that's not all that surprising or an unusual thing to say, but trust me here, folks, this represented, at the time, a truly momentous occasion in my life. I mean, I'd never really traveled all that much when I was growing up, and even as an adult, where I did go usually involved a road trip across the highways and byways of the Northeast Corridor. So now, at age 35, to have been asked to not only attend a week-long caregiving seminar in Orlando, Florida, and in the dead of winter, mind you, but also to fly there, well, that was just a welcome and exciting opportunity. However, I must confess that having never flown before, I was also a tad nervous about the prospect. In fact, if I'm being honest here, got to tell you that the closer I got to the day of departure, the more anxious about flying I'd become. Now, to be fair, and you might have experienced this too, it did seem to me Really, like practically every other day in, in, in running up to this flight, I'd read something in the news about a plane crashing somewhere in the world, about something going off the runway, about some disaster or another. Nor, in retrospect, was it particularly helpful that friends, family, and even fellow clergy had regaled me with their own nightmare stories of air travel gone bad. And the true icing on the cake was on the morning I was to leave, there had been snow, sleet, and freezing rain in Maine, which required the plane to be de-iced before it could take off. Now, i got to tell you that the flight went really, really well. And just before takeoff, I decided that, that a silent prayer was in order. And not just for me, mind you, but also for the pilot, for the co-pilot, for all the flight attendants, and for every other person on that airplane with a side order request for good weather the entire way. Hey, it doesn't hurt to ask. And my, and my journey, I should tell you, was as smooth and uneventful as one could hope. And so by the time I'd landed in Philadelphia, which was so I could make a connecting flight to Orlando, <coughs> I already felt like I was an experienced, frequent flyer, which lasted until just about the time my second flight was on the tarmac. In fact, on the last leg of my journey, I ended up seated next to this young woman who, once she heard I was a minister, 
immediately and nervously asked if I ever got nervous about flying. And I said, lying through my teeth, oh, no, no, not really. And she said, wow, that's good, Pastor, because I'll be honest with you, I hate flying. It terrifies me. I don't even want to be on this flight. But I'm going to visit my sister in Florida because she's in trouble. I need to be there. And to tell the truth, I'm actually feeling pretty nervous about that. And for pretty much the remainder of the flight, she told me all about it. Now, all these years later, I honestly don't remember much about the conversation. But I do remember what she said to me as we were landing. But you know what, she said, I guess I'm not all that worried because, you know, I've got God with me. I'm not a churchgoer, she went on to say, and I'm, no offense, they always tell me no offense, I'm not even all that religious. But at times like this, she said, I just know that God is there. And I know it because I feel this peace all over me. It's, it's like a gift. You know what I mean? Yes, I did. And I do. In our text for this morning, we're returning to what's referred to in John's gospel as Jesus' farewell discourses on the night of his betrayal and arrest. So again, what we have here is Jesus essentially saying goodbye to those closest to him while preparing them for what's to come. He's reminding them one last time of the importance of love and how love is going to be forever linked to their keeping his word. A word that is not in fact his, but comes from the Father who sent him. But more than this text being words of farewell, they're also words of promise. A word of promise with Jesus offering up the assurance of an advocate, a Holy Spirit, that would teach his disciples both then and now everything they would need to know. A spirit that would remind them of all that he said to them. And this all culminates with Jesus offering up what is perhaps, at least in my mind, one of the most deeply touching assurances that were given in the Gospels. Peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Now that in and of itself is an amazing promise, isn't it? I mean, think of Think of when and how it was said. The same Jesus who's now facing the certainty of a violent death has not only already promised to go on ahead and prepare a place for his disciples in his father's house, but he's now giving them his assurance that because of God's sure and certain promises of life, everything is going to be all right and that they will know the same kind of peace that he himself possesses. It's no wonder that these words are so often read at graveside services. Because if there's one thing of which we need to be reminded of in times of loss, 
is that this, this, this here and now in which we live is not all that there is, but that there is another place for us when this life is done. A home in heaven that Jesus has already gone to prepare for us by his death on the cross. What we are lifting up here is an atoning act of redemptive love. And it is Jesus' gift of true peace. A peace for today, tomorrow, for all of our lives and beyond life. Peace I leave with you, he said. My peace I give to you. And as I said earlier, that in and of itself is amazing. But you'll notice that that's not all that Jesus promises here. He actually goes on to say, I do not give to you as the world gives. Just a little addition to the promise. Few added words that at first read, uh, first read almost come off as a bit of a qualifier to the promise itself. And yet, friends, I've got to tell you that for me, it's that second phrase that not only makes this promise amazing, but also life-changing. It's the assurance that what Jesus is giving us is not what the world gives us that makes all the difference. And what does the world give? Well, Lindsay Popper, a United Church of Christ pastor and writer in Massachusetts, Dedham, Massachusetts, I think, addresses this question quite honestly and beautifully. She says... The world gives us simple beauties. The full moon on an early morning. The feeling of a sweetheart's hand in ours. A, a strong cup of coffee before a day of work. But so often, she goes on, the world gives trouble. The world gives disappointment. The world creates famine and war and leaves shattering trauma in its wake. The world brings forth broken relationships that leave us in its wake feeling bitter and alone. So often, she writes, this world with all of its fragile beauty leaves us feeling like the floor has fallen out from under us, feeling utterly alone, numb and helpless. It's to this that Jesus says, I do not give to you as the world gives. Or maybe more to the point, as this verse is translated, paraphrased actually in the message, I don't leave you the way you're used to being left, feeling abandoned and bereft. It's my peace that I'm giving you, says Jesus. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. Now, two bits of translation here that uh, really need to be addressed in understanding this text. First, the Greek word for peace that's used here is irene, which is eh, pretty much the Greek equivalent to the Hebrew word shalom, meaning peace not simply in the sense of the cessation of war and conflict, though it is that, but a whole peace that includes security, and safety and prosperity. 
as well as a sense of inner rest, well-being, and harmony. And above all, in our Christian understanding, a state of reconciliation with God now and eternally through Jesus himself. As a matter of fact, this word irene has its roots in the word iro, which, which means to join or bind together that which has been separated. It's actually kind of where we get the expression of someone who has it all together. So what all this means is that this peace that Jesus offers does not, in fact, guarantee an end to all the struggles and hardship that exists in the world. I mean, how could it be? Even as Jesus spoke the words, he was about to be sentenced to a brutal death on the cross, and he was about to be handed over into the arms of those who hated him. No, the peace that, to which Jesus refers is not a faltering peace of a, of a hurt, hurtful and sinful world. It's a true peace that gives comfort in the face of all that the world will bring forth. The Reverend David Loos, formerly of Lutheran Seminary, I understand he is now pastoring a church in Minneapolis, but he, prolific writer, great thinker, and he says it this way, the peace Jesus offers is more than the absence of something negative. Indeed, it has its own presence and its own gravity. It testifies to a sense of wholeness, even rightness, of and in one's very being. It's a sense of harmony with those persons and things around us. Peace, he writes, connotes a sense of contentment, but even more fulfillment. A sense that in this moment, this very moment, one is basking in God's pleasure. And that, Lowe's concludes, can come even amid hardship, struggle, conflict, and disruption. In other words, it is the knowledge that even in all these difficulties the world brings forth, and in whatever troubles beset us, God is with us in it. And when we let God be with us in it, when we let God take on the burden of the troubles we can't change or control, when we place ourselves, our loved ones, our fortunes, and our future in God's hands, that is peace, true peace. And it's a gift, not as the world gives, but as only Jesus can provide. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. Which uh, brings us to the other matter of translation. The Greek word that's used in this verse, if I'm saying it correctly, is tharseo which is probably better translated as take heart, or even better, to have courage. In Jesus, you see, no matter what the world, what life is throwing at us, we can take heart. We can have courage and not be afraid. That's how my seatmate on the airplane could take this flight she was terrified to make to face a family a situation she felt utterly ill-equipped and unprepared to handle. That's how those of us who have had to deal with the grief of losing a loved one can find hope for life now and eternally. That's how you and I can manage to face down the times and situations of, of heartache and struggle and oppression and darkness and fear. All those things that sooner or later are going to come our way. And that's how we keep the faith 
even when the world around us and sometimes the world within us seems to be spinning helplessly out of control. The peace that Jesus offers us gives us open and courageous hearts, friends. It gives us the ability to fully and boldly live as his disciples. To truly be in the world, but not of the world. And to live with strength and joy, ever and always keeping that command to love our neighbors as ourselves. To love one another as he has loved us. This is true and lasting peace. It's girded and saving love, and it's a gift to you, to me, to us all. At a funeral recently, an older gentleman came up to me after the service and asked where he might find that verse I'd read about Jesus going to his father's house where there are many dwelling places to go and prepare a place. Because, he said, He'd never really heard that before, and it was something he felt he really needed to think about. I explained, of course, that these were verses from John's Gospel. I shared with him, as I've shared with you, that these were all Jesus' uh, farewell words, and, and and, and I shared with him how those particular verses have always been helpful for me in knowing, being assured of what happens to us when we When we pass. And to all this, he listened, and then he simply smiled and said, I just feel like at this time in my life, this is something I should really know about. You know, I've been thinking about that ever since. And it seems to me that while what Jesus said to his disciples and to us on that fateful night has everything to do with our Lord's sure and certain promises of life eternal and how it speaks to how he is the way, the truth, and the life. But you know what? I think it also expresses something of the truth of our Lord's presence and power in the here and now of our lives. It reminds us that there is nothing we face in this life, nothing we have to go through, that God in this person of Jesus Christ hasn't also experienced. Jesus knows how we've been hurt. He knows what has disappointed us. He knows how we struggle, and he knows all the ways in which our hopes and expectations for life have fallen far short of what we wanted. Jesus knows how easily it is that we can become discouraged by life, how the world, particularly in these times, can seemingly undo us, and how weak we can feel, and how quickly weakness gives way to temptation, and how temptation will will lead us to losing our best selves along the way. Jesus knows us all too well because he has lived as one of us. Fact is, before you and I ever began to live, Jesus already knew what life is all about. But here's the thing, he also knew what it can be what it could be, what it should be. And that's how he continues to offer us today and always the gift of his peace. How and whatever happens, whatever trials and sorrows and temptations there might be, even in death itself, he can offer us the peace that passes our human understanding. Because he's already been there. 
Our Jesus can and does provide a peace that the world can neither give and it can never, ever take it away. My dear friends, in whatever comes at you this week, I pray that you will know that peace as your own. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. That's the message entitled A Gift of Peace. It was recorded at our May 26th service of worship at East Congregational Church, United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire. By the way, if you're looking for a place to worship, maybe looking for a church home, we'd love to welcome you to East Church. We gather every Sunday at 10 in the morning at the church, which is located on Mountain Road in Concord. We are a small but mighty and very lively congregation. And I guarantee you, you will feel welcome the minute you walk in the door. We'd love to see you. Well, that's it for this edition of Love to Tell the Story. As I've said before, this is very much a work in progress, so I'd love to hear what you think about it. I thank you for listening, and until next time, may God bless you with a great day.